Thanks for tuning in to your day off podcast, hosted by your boys, Corey and Tony. I think by the end of today, I might have another best friend. They're committed to making you fall in love with the hair industry, one podcast at a time. Uh, you're going to grab a lot of information. Yeah, you're going to learn a lot. Presented by Hair District. Ladies and gentlemen, this is it. Your day off podcast will begin after a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Big announcement. Presley Poe and Friends is back 2022, April 2nd, April 3rd in the state of Maryland. Um, we have Presley coming in and her friends, her Jacob Kahn, Lisa Carello, Patty Plymeyer, also known as Queen of the South, Trevor Moots, Taylor Fade. So again, that's April 2nd and April 3rd. April 2nd, we're doing a like a happy hour with a, with a demo from all of our artists. And then they're going to come and do a mix and mingle. So you'll be hanging out with all the artists that evening. April 3rd is an uh, educational filled day. We have a la carte classes that are available. Um, Jacob's doing a, a couple hands-on classes. Preston's going to do a Vivid's class. Patty is doing a hands-on braiding class. Lisa Carello is going to show you all that you need to know about textured hair. And Trevor Moots is doing his amazing barbering. Um, all the all the information is available on PresleyPoeAndFriends.com. Um, big shout out to our, our to our sponsors, of course. The uh, Sharon and, and Charles Reiser, the Temple Paul Mitchell, which is uh, in, in Frederick, Maryland, which is where we're going to be uh, holding the event. Cosmoprof Beauty, once again, they stepped up so we could uh, help support you guys. They, they stepped up for uh, Shadow Presley Poe. Um, we have the Handsome app. If you guys haven't downloaded the Handsome app, it's a must. They're going to be covering uh, the weekend, and they have some incredible giveaways um, that are coming up that weekend. If you're going to be at the show, Handsome has shears that they're giving away. They have brushes they're giving away, blow dryers that they're giving away. Um, they're giving a lot of stuff away that weekend. Big shout out to Hatoro Hanzo uh, shears. They're uh, they're, they're gonna they're one of our sponsors. They're gonna be um, uh, in, in collaboration with the Handsome app. They're gonna be giving away some shears. And of course, our friends at Salon Scale. Salon Scale. Um, they always step up for the industry, and you know, just big thank yous. And once again, uh, thank you for stepping up for the industry. So again. April 2nd, April 3rd, PresleyPoeAndFriends.com. All the information is there. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss this live, in-person event. Um, come back to school with us, y'all. Welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, I'm sitting with my best bud, Tony. What's up, buddy? What's going on, brother? Listen, dude, I'm so like, I'm so glad that we have like a, a format where we can just kind of share people that we're interested in. Absolutely. And today is, is no exception. 
No, it, it's not at all. Um, so our, our guest today, we uh, I've been following, I guess, on TikTok for, I don't know, like I was saying earlier, like, it could be a year, it could be two years, it could be six months. I'm not really sure, but but just for a while, I've consumed a bit of his content. And um, you shared him with me a couple of months ago. And yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating. It's pretty fascinating. Today's podcast is going to be about perspective. You know, whether we want it to be about perspective or not, I think it's going to be about perspective. I think we're all going to have different perspectives by the end of this. Um, so uh, we're uh, today our, our guest, is it Andrew Murnane? Yes. Did I nail it? Nailed it. Cool. Nailed it. Nailed it. So our, our, our guest is Andrew Murnane. If you're not following him, go to TikTok. Paul's. Welcome back. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely go to TikTok and Instagram and follow Andrew. Andrew is just filled with like depth and perspective. And, and I just I find him fascinatingly interesting. Can you say that together? Fascinatingly interesting. But um, just did. I just <laughs> I certainly just did. He, did. he has an old soul about him. Yeah. Like you know, if the Dalai Lama was like a young dude from Minnesota, like this would be like that. This is Andrew. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you listen to him, like, dude, I, you're, you're so young, but yet you're filled with such, you know, depth. It was like, yeah. So it, it might, I don't, what, does it come from his parents? Does it come from other things? We'll get into we're, all we're gonna, that. Yeah, but, yeah I want to get into that whole story. So uh, should we get in? Yeah, let's get in. So, Mr. Andrew Murnane, welcome to your day off. Thank you so much, Corey and Tony. Thank you for having me. Really appreciate it. Dude, absolutely. So uh, where are you from? I'm from Minneapolis, just outside uh, in the suburbs, smaller suburb called Wyzetta, about 20 minutes outside the city. And you grew up there your whole life? Uh, Pretty much, yeah. My parents are actually from New York, New Jersey area. They were living in Boston at the time that I was born. And then my dad got a job outside Minneapolis. He took it. I moved and I was there till uh, a little bit before college. I actually ended up going to a boarding school for two years uh, in Connecticut, then went to Philly for college and then moved right to New York uh, and have been there for the last three and a half years. You go to Temple? Uh, UPenn. Oh, oh, sorry. My bad. (laughs) I apologize there, Andrew. (laughs) Wow. Um, So, but you're in Manhattan now, right? I am. Yeah. Or yep. he, he he usually assaults everybody. So a lot of it's funny coming from Big Ten country, uh University of Minnesota. Everyone just assumes that I went to Penn State and it got to a point where if someone else didn't correct them, I stopped correcting them and just been like, Yeah, we are, baby. Like let's go. Can you even bother? Like if they'll figure it out if they do. If not, like I don't really give a fuck. So. Right. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious, man. So uh, how long have you been in Manhattan? Uh, about three and a half years. Yeah. Moved uh, September of 2018 uh, and started started a job there uh, after school. Kind of had the summer off. My job didn't start till September. Uh, so I was home in Minnesota for about three months and then have been there. The same digital advertising day job ever since, uh, but been doing content stuff for about a year and a half. Started that uh, back in July of 2020. So I must have been pretty early on then when I found you, huh? Yeah, I was going to say, you, you couldn't have been following me for two years unless you randomly found my Instagram. <laughs> I think at the time, maybe had like 900 followers or something. That, that, that was your Facebook. That was your, yeah, he was following you personally <laughs> outside your window. In the bushes. <laughs> yeah. 
Sorry, that was me. Not gonna lie. Or, uh, yeah, I think my my TikTok. I think I had an account for maybe a couple months beforehand with like ten followers. So unless you found that before I started actually posting, then. But yeah, probably probably a year and a half or so, a year year and a half. So so what got you into posting? What got you into uh, creating content? Uh, that's it's a bit of a process i can kind of run try and run through it pretty quick um but we got time go ahead all right cool yeah so so going back a little bit uh high school was kind of the the peak of my mental health kind of social anxiety type struggles i was super quiet in high school i was very much always worried about what people thought of me uh, and just worried about any any number of things people's perceptions of me what the future was going to bring never really even grasped the idea of experiencing the present moment and understanding that that's truly who you are at the end of the day. There's nothing you can possibly ever experience outside of right now. And so in high school, super quiet. In college, it got a little bit better, uh, but still dealt with feelings of just insecurity, worry, fear, a lot of nerves in just kind of any social situation uh, among other types of situations and got a little bit better through college. And then after college or end of senior year into that summer before I started working, got really into meditation and read The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle and The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. Still like two of my favorite books for sure. Um, And yeah, kind of that senior year of college really realized that caring so much about what other people thought of me and not living my life how I want to, but allowing everyone else's perception of me when at the end of the day, they probably weren't really thinking about me as much as I had always thought. Uh, it just didn't make any sense to live that way. Like everyone has their own unique human experience and I have mine. And why the fuck would I care what someone else thought of mine? Like they have their own entire human experience. I have my entire human experience. And so, but for a long time, I lived in that state of fear and worry, constant anxiety. And then Um, yeah, I got better, uh, through stuff like meditation and whatnot. And then, yeah, it wasn't until, uh, finally July of 2020, I decided to start posting content and real quick for that, I sort of had this morning routine where I'd go through and part of it was imagining being old, imagine being a hundred years old, like about to die basically. And thinking back on my life and thinking, what do I regret about my life? What do I wish I had done differently? And every single day I did this probably for like a year and a half before I started posting the thing that came up every single day was not creating content, like not putting myself out there because I do have a lot of interests. I had a lot to share, but the reason I didn't was because I was always just afraid of judgment, afraid of failure. And finally one day I was like, I know for a fact I've known it for a year and a half that I will regret this if I don't do it. So if people are going to judge me, that's okay. I know that regret will hurt far more than any passing judgment I receive. And so I started, I made a YouTube video, uh, took the intro for that, put it on TikTok. That happened to go viral somehow. I got a couple thousand followers and then I had already decided I was going to start posting content. So kind of ran with TikTok and just started posting a lot more different things. Started out a lot of like nutrition, um, physical health type stuff, workouts, along with some mental health stuff. And then it's kind of niched into mostly mental health, just experiencing reality in the universe. When you say mental health, though, like in in high school and in college that, you know, with the anxiety and everything, you you really worried about uh, what people thought about you, et cetera. But it didn't stop you from excelling at school, obviously. But 
but what what do you think gave you the courage to 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 you know what I'm going to step beyond this you know that that because obviously you felt like that was holding you back from your life experience so what 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 where did that strength come from uh that's a good question one one situation that i remember pretty vividly was actually in between uh, my junior and senior year of college i had this sort of real estate project my cousin and i were working on uh we were figuring out ways to buy lower income housing and, and get some investors to do it. And it was, it was a pretty cool project when you, when you think about it, but there was this part of me because I cared so much about whatever and thought all the time that I just wanted like a, a classic sort of corporate internship where when someone asked what I was doing, I could just say like, I'm working here doing this and like conversation over, but because I had to sort of like explain this thing and coming from a school like Penn, very pre-professional, everyone has like pretty standard internship just bothered me a lot that I had to explain this. And I was worried about, Oh, are they going to think I'm like not doing the right thing? And it's insane thinking now the state I live in that I cared so much about that. And it hit me one day where I was super concerned about it. Um, Cause anytime I met with people, I was like, fuck, I'm going to have to explain this whole thing. And I just didn't like having to do that. And one day it hit me. I was like, why do I care so much? Like, it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. They're doing their thing. I'm doing my thing, my life and my things that I'm doing doesn't impact theirs. Theirs doesn't impact mine. And at that point, it, it just hit me so clearly that I kind of stopped and it's been a process since, but that was, that was a very key moment in just experiencing that so strongly and then seeing how ridiculous it is to live like that. Uh, that was one of the first sort of hits that I had of that experience. And after that, I, I really stopped caring and have kind of found balance in that ever since. Andrew, I know you just said that you, you, you quit caring about that. Um, but I don't buy that completely. So like, like if there's, I mean, if there's a moment during the day or a moment in the morning where, where you care about what, you know, in your words, you care about what other people are saying. Is there is there a mantra or is there something that you go to to remind you of like, no, that's not the path I'm on? What does that look like for you? Yeah. So I think it comes down to the understanding that everyone, everyone's perception of you differs. Like, and an analogy I like to use is realizing that there's a different version of you that exists inside of every single person you've ever interacted with's mind. So Everyone has their own unique perception based on their experiences. So how they judge you really doesn't have to do with you and who you truly are. It has to do with them and how they how they see things. So whether it's you know trolls on TikTok or just random people that are judgmental, seeing that their perception is based on them and not based on me allows me much more easily to brush off any judgments that I do receive, just being able to see that a little bit more clearly has helped a lot. That wasn't initially what it was initially. It was just like, it doesn't make any sense that I, that I care so much. And because I was in such a deep state of caring so much, once I realized it, I, I've gone back and forth for sure. It's like a constant thing, but never to the level where I'm like, so frozen by it, that, that sort of fear that I'm, that I'm just like, mute. I was so quiet in high school. Like I never put myself out there because I figured if, if I didn't put myself out there, I didn't care whether people liked me. I just cared that they didn't 
dislike me. And if I didn't put myself out there, then they couldn't really have a strong opinion either way. It was just like, oh, Andrew, yeah, he's a pretty nice guy, but pretty quiet. And, and that was why. So being in such a deep state of that and fear and worry since then, seeing the other side is like so much freer and, and happy, such a happier way to live uh, that, that it's been a little bit easier coming from that to, to stay on the other side of things. I think. Yeah, I like, I like that. Cause you said freedom. There's a freedom of be, you being you, you don't necessarily have to try to blend. So people don't necessarily see you and, and see the real you. And uh, I, I love when you said, when, you know, you, you stop caring. I mean, I mean, there is always that part that you're always going to care, but you don't allow that to stop you from being you and, and, and living your, your, your fullest life. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think a huge part of the mental health kind of struggles we feel as a society, this sort of epidemic of mental health is that people aren't vulnerable, very vulnerable, and they aren't super authentic all the time. Like everyone's trying to hide their struggles and make it seem like everything's going well on the surface. And so that's something early on when I started posting and started gaining some followers, I made a decision, like, I am not going to try and be something like I, I'm pretty, I can talk a lot. I'm, I'm very open about things, but I'm not the most bubbly person. I'm not like that classic sort of influencer personality. And a lot of people get caught up in that early on, but it becomes this sort of prison because if you're acting like that to gain a following, to, to be more energetic or whatever, people are going to follow that version of you. And that's not who you truly are, like your authentic self. I mean, it is because you're always sort of being yourself, but if you're trying to be something else, it, it becomes this sort of prison because people are going to follow that version of you. So then inevitably either you keep doing that and sort of work against this resistance of not being what's easiest, being yourself, which is what you're being when you're not trying to be anything at all. So either you stop doing that and you start just being your authentic self and all these people are like, well, this isn't who I followed and you lose all your followers or you just keep doing that and live inevitably stuff like that, I think leads to a lot of anxiety and depression when people are trying to play this character and, and play this idea that they think other people will want to follow or be friends with or anything. So when you're fully yourself and, and vulnerable and open about your struggles and whatnot, people, people appreciate that. And it, it just makes life a lot easier because you're not trying to be anything at all. It's interesting that you say that because you see it so many times where, you know, someone's doing the perfect post or they're, they're trying to live in this and not realizing that that in fact is the prison that they're in. Right. Like they think yeah. that, that, that that's where the freedom is, but that in fact is the prison. I mean, it, it's really interesting with social media, like the evolution that's going to happen in the next a couple of generations, you know, just, just kind of about that, about, you know, what is authenticity and what is, what, what is freedom? You know, yeah. I mean, I think we have the opportunity, like, like Andrew's using it as a social media, as a means of, of freedom, but, 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 you know, that's why his perspective is so interesting. Have you, have you done a lot of therapy and stuff or, or just uh, is, is a lot of self work? I mean, it's all self-work, but have you done therapy and stuff? Um, no, I've actually never done therapy. never took any mental health, like uh, medication type stuff or anything. And it wasn't like, I didn't have diagnosed anxiety. And I know there's a difference. And I try and be careful about that because there is diagnosed 
anxiety that it's gotten to such a point that that you need serious professional help. And and mine was more subtle and it was all internal. So like my family didn't even know and, and kids just thought I was quieter, but it was because I was so worried about what everyone thought. And it, it never got to a point that it was so extreme that I ever thought about taking extreme measures for anything. But I think it's it's super common to go through that. And a lot of it comes back to you know, how you perceive yourself and how you identify yourself in that way. I think, I think a lot of kids go through that in general, just period. Cause you know, you, you get people always, you know, they want to act cool, you know, especially as kids. I mean, come on. Uh, they, they, you care what your peers think, you know what I mean? Especially in, in school. Well, you're in an identity crisis, right? I mean, like I, I say, your identity crisis starts when you're 14 and ends when you're 29 or, or thereabout, you know? Yeah. And some people are able to break from it and some people, you know, are in, in, entrapped by it forever, you know? And, uh, and even because it carries on into the workplace, right? And then you get these clicks and things like that. But uh, so you said you're, you're able to, to, it's all internal, you know, self, self-awareness, self-care, was it through like reading books? Was it through, you know, studying? I mean, how did, how did you find that way of, like you said, you know, every day I imagined that I was a hundred years old and I reflected on my life and, and, you know, what did I regret? I mean, where did those techniques come from? Yeah, that's a good question. The hundred year old idea. I, I think it was sort of molded from hearing, like I've followed Gary Vee for a while. And he always talks about that sort of perspective of not like living your life. So you don't regret it when you're older and how much, how young you actually are, whether you're 20, 30, 40, 50, or 60, like even when you're 80, you still might have like 10, 15 good years left. So that perspective of imagining being old, I think it was just kind of like molded. I, I don't think I ever heard that specific sort of situation described. And now I've made videos about it. So some people have probably just seen mine because um, it's like a direct thing that I that I did for so long. But yeah, it, it, uh, it started with books and I still read books for sure. But they, they were tools to get me to a certain state to realize. And I think anytime you're doing this, it, it does come from within. And even if you read all the perfect books, if you're not doing the work yourself and kind of taking the actions necessary to really drive those understandings home, then it doesn't really do much. It's kind of like the idea of reading about pushups isn't going to make you any stronger. So you could read all the books in the world, but if you're not actually putting yourself out there and putting yourself in situations that you are anxious or, or nervous about until you get to a point where you've done it so many times that you, there's just nothing really to be afraid of anymore. I think that is, that's sort of like how you build confidence. And one of my takes on confidence is it's really, it doesn't, at least it doesn't start as a, as a feeling it starts as an action. And so it's not about how you feel. It's about the actions that you take despite how you feel. So I think, it's cool because anyone can be confident. And this is just one sort of thing that I've realized over the years that confidence being an action, it doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter how much experience you have in something, knowing for a fact that, you know, the first video you put out isn't going to be as good as the 10th 
or the hundredth or the thousandth, or whether it's a podcast episode or a speech or anything, those first few aren't going to be nearly as good as your hundredth or thousandths, but you, but you can't do the thousandth one without the hundredth. You can't do the hundredth without the tenth. So early on, giving yourself a little bit of that grace and getting to a point where you're not as worried about people's judgments, allow you to get through that first sort of turbulent time and eventually build to a place where you are actually doing a much better job as explaining things or, or whatever your situation may be. Um, so yeah, that's kind of how I think about confidence. So a lot of it is, I think, taken from books and stuff, but a lot of it is just through experience, especially these days, a lot more of it is like realizations where I'm in a situation and struggling with something or something. And then I just kind of see it and be able to see it more clearly, sort of like from third person perspective in a way, and then, and then express what helped me and kind of make a video about it. You know, we make that joke all the time. Like if you listen to us, like people who just start listening to us, they say, Oh, we're going to listen to it backwards. Says, we only get worse. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, if you, if you go backwards, we only get worse. <laughs> oh I, I, yeah, absolutely. Like doing, doing guest appearances like this. Now I, I do a decent amount. I try and get at least one or two scheduled a week. Cause I really enjoy doing it and expressing ideas and just like getting asked questions. But early on I would get so nervous and like worried and I would try and almost like prepare for hypothetical situations, even, you know, within the last year, because it was something that was so new to me and, and just the uncertainty can bring about a lot of nerves when you've never done anything like it before. Um, whereas now, like, I don't, I don't do like internal preparation. I'm just like, let's see what happens and let's have a good time. That That's actually funny. Cause that was, that was certainly our path when we first got, when we first started, we're like, I was so nervous about like, oh my gosh, what are we going to say? You know, can we, can we hold conversation? You know, I'm a good talker, but you know, when, when, when what's weird too, is like once that mic is on, like something else in your brain fires, right? It's not the same conversational kind of thing. And, and I think to your point, I think the part of your brain that fires is like, how is this being heard? Not necessarily by us, but by, but by, by other people, you know, and I think that when we turn on the video, I think you kind of go to that same spot. Like, how is this going to be perceived, right? As opposed to whatever. And I guess it that's when the brain fire. Yeah. Like him, like we, we would be trying to live in a script, like let's script this out. And so let's not try to, if we get too far off course, let's try to bring him back in. And now we're like, Hey, if it goes way off course, it's going to be probably a lot more fun over there than if than where we wanted to go. So let's stay there. Right. What, you know, what, what is, different. what is course, right? What is course, exactly. you know, what is course? That's crazy. Hey, Andrew, real quick. So you say, do you still meditate every day? Um, so I actually don't as often I will here and there, but for me, meditation, um, it kind of got to a point where it was just another part of my to-do list. And I don't do it now every day, even like maybe I'll sit down here and there, but, and I'm not anti-meditation or anything like that. I don't want to make it seem like I'm like too good for meditation, but I think there comes a point where you're able to recognize just so quickly and clearly when you're getting lost in thought and, and kind of not fully experiencing the moment in that way, sort of. And, and so for me, it was just another part of my sort of to-do list. And I, I would sit down for 10 or 15 minutes and, and just sit with my eyes closed. And so I got to a point where I wasn't really working through as much in those sessions. Like there weren't as many intrusive thoughts coming in because I would just recognize that they were just this sort of flow of, of thought and I wouldn't identify with every single one. So instead 
I, I just kind of stopped and, and life has more so become that meditation because it's, it's much easier now because I did so much work. I, I did it pretty much every day for like three years up until maybe three or four months ago. And since then I can just so quickly catch when I am having thoughts about this idea of Andrew that I don't necessarily fully identify with as much. So it's much easier to not identify with the thoughts that have to do with this illusory idea of Andrew that is nothing more than my past, essentially, just every single moment leading up to right now. But me being right now, the aware, the awareness of the universe, the observer and the observed in this moment, um, you don't, it's almost like you don't need meditation as much anymore. Uh, but I will from time to time, just sit down and just check in. And if I'm super busy or caught up in stuff or worried about something, just sit and just kind of observe them and be like, yep, yeah, those, those aren't, that's not me. It's not my voice. I'm just aware of them. So you pretty much just sharpen your, your, your self-awareness about yourself over those three year period of, of meditation. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a process. Cause a lot of people are so caught up in their internal dialogue or thoughts or judgments and perceptions as the truth that they need to take some time to almost like remember that they're not and just see how loud their mind is. Because if you're caught up in that and and take it to be the truth, you kind of, you kind of need to build up that separation a little bit as that observing presence here and now. Whereas once you get to a point that it's just like, you sit down and you're like, well, I could be doing something else. I could be living my life in a way because I, I have acknowledged this. And I do see this so clearly that you don't need that additional time set aside. But if you're fully engulfed in that, it's hugely beneficial to become aware of, of that and sort of recognize it. Part of your practice, do you also find when you're being judgmental of others as well? Like, like, you know, you're so internal about like, Oh, Tony's judging me for whatever reason. And then like when your brain goes to like, dude, those shoes are janky. Do you ever kind of catch yourself and like, and be like, you know, that's not that whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And, and for all of that, and I find it interesting because a lot of times when people are super worried about other people's judgments, it's because they themselves are very judgmental and so because they see themselves as so judgmental, they're like, oh, well, everyone else must be super judgmental. Whereas now I'm not very judgmental externally. So I just kind of assume that no one else is being judgmental of me and they're just not thinking about me, which which comes back to my perception too. But I've been on the other side and I'm like, even if that's not 100% correct, even if some people do judge me, I know it's because of them and and comes from within them. It doesn't really have to do with me. They're just like expressing the reflection of themselves that they see in me back on themselves. But yeah, when it comes to that, or a thing I like to really keep in mind is just, I don't know whether it's judging myself or worried about a situation or how someone else, how I'm, if I do happen to judge someone else, how they're dressed or, or how they act. It's like, I don't know. And if, if they're super angry or mean, like, I don't know what they've been through in their life. I don't know what they've been through today. Maybe they just had someone really close to them pass away and, and they're working through that. And so they come across me and they're, they just like scream at me for no reason. It's like, that has nothing to do with me. That has to do with them and what they're going through. So remembering that 
I don't know is, is a huge, hugely beneficial reminder that I've found in my life and it's applicable to so many different situations. Yeah. I, I always use the, the, um, you know, like if we're driving and someone's driving aggressive and they cut me off, it's not personal. I don't know what they're going through. Maybe they're in a hurry to get somewhere because someone's hurt or I, I don't know. Right. So I, you know, you can either react and get angry and, and which causes stress in your body and which does a negative harm to your, to your health, or you, or you can be like, you know, I hope he makes it there safe and, and, and take a different perspective in, in, in that way. You know, it doesn't trigger those things. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that ties back to the idea of good and bad coming back to our perception too. Like we can't see the bigger picture. We can't see anything beyond this moment here and now we can't predict the future. So people get very caught up in, in judging and labeling every single situation as either good or bad. It's become so normalized in our society to react in those ways. And there are certain things that people would argue, and I'm, I, we don't have to go into like huge societal macro things, but just micro things in your life. Like something happens, for example, you're, you're driving, someone cuts you off, or you even get in an accident, and but you're okay, kind of that thing. People would label that as objectively bad, but you couldn't see that maybe if you hadn't gotten in that accident, there was like another accident waiting that you would have died in, or you get an injury, you break your arm, and you think objectively bad, like no ifs, ands, or buts, but you don't know what potentially could have happened down the road. And labeling as bad isn't going to change it. It's not going to make it better immediately. So living your life without needing to judge every individual event that happens because you can't see the bigger picture. You don't know what the future holds. Something that seems objectively horrendous and, and terrible in the moment could lead to something great down the line. So wasting your time and energy judging it even, even as good and getting hung up on that, on that, because that's kind of two sides of the same coin or two ends of the same spectrum. It isn't really necessary. You can just, you can appreciate things in the moment for sure. And appreciate your ability to take part in this, this life and human experience. But yeah, labels are very much unnecessary in my opinion. I love labeling bad. Does not make it better? Like that's a, that's a dope mantra. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like whenever you get caught up in that kind of thing, I live by mantras, Andrew. So like, like whenever I can get like a good quote and I'll be like, Oh, I'm living with that one for a minute. You know, like I, I really, I really appreciate that. Are you, um, are you, have you been approached about writing a book or anything? Um, so I actually, I have an ebook that I wrote. It's like, it's just 13, like short chapters, like maybe two, three pages on a word doc. Um, I wrote that this fall, just kind of compiled a lot of things I talk about um, and have that there. So it's actually only available on my Patreon now. I was selling it. I've sold a decent amount. Um, but yeah, so that's only on my Patreon. But I think at some point down the road, potentially writing a book. Um, it's also <laughs> iffy for me right now because I feel like I'm changing and my perceptions and perspectives on things are changing so often that even that ebook, like I had to delete a couple chapters that I, that I didn't really align with anymore. Um, but I think, you know, maybe in five or 10 years down the road, that's, that's definitely 
a possibility. I think it could be a lot of fun. Right. You're, 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 you're full of it, Andrew, because even five years down the road, you're going to continue to evolve. It's okay. It's okay that you say, listen, this is my perspective today, you know, w- with the grace that, that we're all these, uh, these, these evolving uh, individuals. If anyone should know that Andrew should know that shit, shouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's just been so turbulent recently, like since, basically since July sort of had this like waking people call it like waking up or, or realizing your more of your true nature. And, and since then it like my life has had so many, it's like so many ups and downs because it's such a different experience. And I can just real quick talk about that experience. Cause it was, it was one of the most impactful experiences I've had to date for sure. It was back in uh, July. And I, I had a week that I was just down and kind of struggling with a lot of intrusive thoughts, just worries about different things happening in the future, just a lot of different stuff was going on in my life. And, and I was actually reading uh, one of Eckhart Tolle's or listening to the audiobook of it called Stillness Speaks. It's one of his shorter books, Walking Around New York. And there's a part that just said something along the lines of like the past doesn't exist. Like you don't actually have a past. And I had read that and even talked about that in the past so often. And it just hit me in a different way in that moment uh, because everything I was worried about was things that happened in my past that I was afraid of happening again in the future. And just for a split second, I was like, I don't have a past. And I imagined not having a past and just being this awareness right now, just aware of this moment here and now that's it. No past whatsoever, no ideas, no judgments, no perceptions. And I was like, holy shit, that, you know, that feels, that feels really good. It feels amazing. I feel free and, and lighter. And then I went a little deeper on, on this walk, kept kind of going. I was like, wait, so if I, if I don't have a past, I'm just aware of right now, then am I Andrew? Am I this idea? Because Andrew is nothing more than like a bundle of experiences and accomplishments and trauma and and things that have happened in the past, everything leading up to right now. But I, if I am just this awareness of what is here and now, this sort of present awareness of, of Andrew and this body, as well as the environment, then am I Andrew or, or is that, can I maybe not be both? And since then it was like, oh, I'm just this awareness right now, like this is the only thing I've ever experienced. It's the only thing I've ever been able to experience and ever will experience is right now. So without having that idea of the past and just being here and now, there isn't as much identity. There's still this body, but the idea of Andrew is just this bundle of of experiences leading up to right now. And so since then, since kind of living with less of that identity still utilizing it because without identity you can't really exist in this illusion of duality that we are experiencing but uh so it's kind of a requirement more or less but without it taking without taking it quite as seriously without taking it to be the truth uh has been beneficial and that's pretty much what uh this podcast i do um with this guy ray who i met through tiktok it's called dualist unity we we kind of like talk about that experience uh all the time but yeah, that that experience that I had back in July definitely changed my perspective on a lot of things. That's amazing. You know, yeah, you know, it's deep. 
It is. I, it, it's it's interesting though because I mean I guess part of the human experience is always looking forward to something too. So like I'm kind of caught up in like in like should I be looking forward to it or do I just try to stay in the moment or like you kind of know what I'm saying? Like even even my to do list, right? I mean that's my to do list is in the future, you know, or and it's in the past. It's both. Hey, I can maybe, maybe I can do that when my when my wife sends me a honey do list. I'm like that doesn't exist. <laughs> so I'm like not it. doing it. It doesn't <laughs> exist. I love. But that divorce exists. <laughs> yeah. hey, you ever play the thought game like uh, like of the Matrix and like are we are we a simulation? You ever get down that get get down these thought patterns? Yeah, I think about that for sure. And people people will comment asking me like, "Do you think this is all a simulation?" And I've gone back and forth with that, wondering. And I don't think it is, but it also depends how you define simulation and. Realistically, if this was a simulation, what would be what would be different? Like this is as real as, as we are experiencing right now, right? So if it were a simulation, I think it could be a decent perspective for people to have because there wouldn't be maybe as much weight of of worry or as many needless cares. It would be more just appreciation for the moment because whether they think it's it's real or not, it is as real as we perceive it to be right now. So I don't know if it were a simulation, I don't know if it would really be that different. Mm. I kind of, uh, I dig that, but I'm processing it as well. Yeah. You know, I mean, the whole, this whole conversation, I'm like, I'm going deeper and deeper. I'm like, yeah, wow. You know, that's, that's uh, what Andrew does. Yeah. You know, <laughs> but he's taking me in there with him. <laughs> do you do any public speaking? Um, not, not beyond this. I do like live group chats that I'll, that I'll do. Like I have a Patreon, uh, we do a few times a month group chats and we do like free live zooms like once a month. Um, yeah, we have one this Wednesday if anyone's interested in, uh, hopping in there, but yeah, just because of COVID, like all of this stuff has happened with COVID. It hasn't been like any in-person stuff really, but yeah, I'd, I'd definitely be interested in that for sure. Cause I just like, I totally about see a TED talk in your future. I could see it. Yeah. I've thought about that and just like what I might want to talk about. Cause that was a big growing up, especially like in high school and college, like public speaking was one of my biggest fears. Um, I was so worried about it and afraid of it. And, and because I just like, wasn't talking as much in general, it was just like getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Whereas now I just am so used to talking and expressing things and answering questions and just running through stuff and being able to kind of just talk for a long time on end. I, I'm not as worried about it and going along with like seeing everyone as a different variation of me. And so just talking to myself basically is what it comes down to. It, there's not as much fear in that as well as not identifying so closely with this idea of Andrew. It's like, without identity, there's really not as much to fear, if anything to fear, like all of our fears and worries come back to our idea of ourselves. So if you're able to see through that and kind of experience right now without as much identity and an idea of self, there is just so much less to fear and worry about. So that, that helps a lot too. <laughs> hey, Andrew, when you, um, like, and, and forgive me, I don't know the exact numbers, but I know you have like 20,000 followers on Instagram and I, how many do you on TikTok? You might, you got to be at like a million or more, right? Uh, like 600, a little over 600,000, 600,000. Okay. So, so when you, when you started, I'm trying to, I'm trying to weigh out like, like once your TikTok started to blow up and take off or something like, 
Like, how do you or do you kind of remove the ego? I mean, it kind of feels good, but is it your ego that's feeling good? Or is it is it Andrew that's feeling good? I mean, even if it's just like, oh, wow, I've touched this many people or, or I've connected with this many people, that can kind of feel good, too. But that's also the trap, right? Exactly. Yeah, it's it's very much a double edged sword. And so that's been part of the the turbulence for me is balancing like how seriously do I take identity and and th- those things because what people don't tell you about having less less of a sturdy and and dense ego as much or at least less identification with it is as much as it helps like I don't really I'm not super afraid of many things anymore but there also isn't that other side that feels really good when someone compliments you or or builds you up or when you gain a following or get a ton of views on a video like there isn't as much on that side either so that's been sort of part of the the turbulence is being able to sort of balance that and and realizing it's okay to still set goals and and have structure in my life without taking it so seriously and feeling like i need to fulfill this place of lack inside of me through validation or through accomplishing goals. So it's, it's being able to do those things without the attachment of, of needing it. Because if you feel like you need to accomplish something or get validation or achieve this goal in order to feel fulfilled, then it's not a want it's, it's a need because that is where you're driving your sense of fulfillment from. But if you're able to separate that and just gain fulfillment from right now, the only thing you're ever able to experience, then there isn't that need that goes along with it. So, but it's definitely a balancing act because that's the two sides are, are the same thing. It comes back to identification. So without as much of that, yeah, there isn't as much fear and worry. There's also not as much like of this sort of ego boosting when, when things do go well. So it's just a different, it's almost like not on the same spectrum as that. It's just like a different experience. So adjusting to more of that experience. And it's not to say I'm always there. I still get caught up in identification like all the time, like every day. It's a moment to moment sort of thing. Um, but it, it's a different type of experience. Does, does your family, does your parents follow you on TikTok? Yeah. 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 Well, well, my dad doesn't have like any social media, so he just will hear about stuff. I'll send him like if I'm, I'll probably send him this episode because um, he likes listening to podcasts, but yeah, my mom and brother and sister all have like Instagram and, and TikTok and whatnot. So yeah, they follow me. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And, and it's certainly something that I struggle with personally is that we work so incredibly hard to put out good content. We work incredibly hard to to get noticed, if I'm being frank. I mean, you know, they're, they're without an audience. I, but it is weird. Like it feels really, really good. Like the validation for the lack of a better word, validates all the hard work we put in. Like, I don't know, like it's the rub on the back. It's, it's the, it's the lifting up, you know, like, I don't know if we didn't get such great response that I'd even want to do it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and, and I don't necessarily know if it, I'm sure that part of it is my own ego, but, but that, but just that we're offering the world this space. um, It's kind of funny because I have the complete opposite. Like I don't, I don't, because I'm, I'm not, I don't see those numbers or, or data. So I, it, I don't, I don't even know if one person is listening to the podcast, you know what I mean? Right. And, and I'm doing it from a perspective of, of, I guess, giving back type thing, you know what I mean? Doing it, uh, just 
if it's helping one person, it's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, that, that's the, that's the purpose of putting it out there, but it just, it's really nice to be like, Oh wow. Well, this conversation you had with Andrew meant so much to me, you know, that that's cool. I kind of feel like, I kind of feel like we're a conduit uh, to that, right? Yeah. right? I kind of feel like we're a conduit to, to getting that out. But, but again, if like, I mean, to be honest, if we literally had zero, if we literally had zero listeners or we had zero like people interacting with us, would it be the same? Because the purpose is to be that conduit. But if there's nothing at the other under, other end of that conduit, then 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 what's the purpose? Or should we move? Should we move ourselves so we can then reach that conduit? I don't know. It's a weird it's a, it's a, it's a weird gotcha. struggle that I have in my head. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that comes back to just understanding there's there's nothing wrong with either side of it. It's just being aware that while there isn't good or bad, there's no right or wrong. There are consequences to every single action that you take and getting too caught up in the side where the validation means everything as opposed to like, it means a little like, yeah, I, I get caught up in, in that for sure. I think everyone does. I think it's super, super difficult to in the environment that we are experiencing and the society that we live in, but understanding that you get too caught up in that and, and taking compliments to be the truth and and kind of getting that validation becomes such a such a need for you to keep going you're also going to take the the trolling and the, the negative commentary with a little bit more truth if you're caught up in that so so seeing that getting too caught up in that will will cause you to take the other side as truth as well so just realizing that right now you're experiencing you know this podcast we're having this conversation and that obviously you guys enjoy doing this. So that in itself is like, I don't know, at least for me, that's, that's my perspective doing this stuff is like, I just enjoy having these conversations. And of course, like having followers and an audience and people leaving comments and getting DMS about how much things have helped, like keeps me going. Like without that, I don't know. It's tough to say whether I would do it as often, or I would find other things to do as often, but it's just, remembering that there are consequences and taking one side to be the truth, the other end of the spectrum, the other side of that coin will inevitably be taken a little bit more to be the truth as well. Um, so you can appreciate it without getting too caught up in it. At least that's how I try and balance it a little bit. Yeah. It's definitely like a weird, like, you know, like you said, like a yin yang or kind of, but I like what you said that, that there is no good or there is no bad. Right. Like, like, you know, once again, going back to the quote, labeling bad doesn't make it better. Right. Like, 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 I mean, that's kind of what this conversation is about. Like, it's not bad. You know, you just just having that that, that control over, it. you know what I mean? It's yeah. not it's not it, it's weird. I'm going to that's 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 what I'm going to meditate on now. You know, <laughs> what is bad and, and why and why? Why do we have this like human need to make things bad or good? Right. Why do why do we have this human need to black and white things? You know? That's yeah, it's a good question. I don't exactly know where it stems from. I think, I think it, most things that we struggle with or deal with are rooted in identity. So like, is it bad for me? And, and right now this makes me uncomfortable. So I'm going to label it as bad, or this makes me comfortable. So I'm going to label it as good. And taking those thoughts that we have pop up in our head all the time to be the truth kind of exacerbates that, but realizing that that they're not and, and good and bad, like everything is neutral. Every single moment, every single experience is hundred percent neutral. And we 
we in our minds label it as good or bad based on our individual perception. And there are certain things that like 99.999% of people will label as bad. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's, it's remembering that it's not objective. Like it's still subjective. And there are things that we have come to a consensus on are bad enough that we make them illegal, for example, but it still doesn't mean they're objectively bad. It's still subjective and people get really mad when I say that about certain things, but it is still a subjective perception. And without being able to see the bigger picture, like we don't necessarily know. And there are things that are, you can say things are destructive or constructive as well. Like there are certain, certainly certain events in our history that have been extremely destructive, but the good and bad still comes down to individual perception. And it's super beneficial, I think, in the the micro, like individual lives, being able to have that perspective. I don't know if it's necessarily as important all the time to have it with like big macro events, but just being able to see that it it is neutral and you are label layering on labels and perceptions and good and bad based on your perception. So uh, following you like I do, um, so psychedelics is kind of a, a new experience for you. Have you had any kind of like a perspective breakthroughs from psychedelics or, or are you just doing it because it's fun to do? <laughs> uh, yeah, every, every time I've taken them, I've, I've kind of learned something new. And I think the interesting thing, so I've only ever done uh, psilocybin, uh, psychedelic mushrooms. And my sort of analogies or ways to describe that are that everyone lives with a certain amount of layers, be it judgments, perceptions, things like that. Every human has X amount of layers. Someone who has like is so sure of the way things are. They're so concrete in their beliefs. And like, this is definitely the truth. This is definitely the way things are. This is good. This is bad. Probably has a lot of layers and they're deeply rooted in their identity, things like that. So mushrooms, depending how much you take, will peel back a certain amount of layers. So those judgments and perceptions cloud your perception of reality. Like reality just is, it's that sort of neutral experience, but through our labels and judgments and perceptions and all of these layers that we build up over time through our human conditioning, typically we will see things more in more of a clouded sense So someone who's super identified as, you know, liberal or conservative or anything like that on any sort of extreme, we'll see things through a specific perspective when it's not the truth. And so mushrooms just help peel back a few of those, those layers. But as you live with fewer layers, you can almost, have a constant psychedelic experience. So now for me, like the first time I tried versus now, like the first time I microdosed a few times is kind of how I live now because I'm sort of sober living with fewer layers. So that's, that's one of the ways I, I describe the experience. So if you take, you know, five gram heroic dose, you're peeling back a lot of layers. You're, you're not going to, you may not have as much of a sense of self. There's a lot less self-consciousness because you are just experiencing right now. And I think that's why it can help a lot with, with the mental health epidemic. And it's not that everyone has to go trip their balls off, but just mixing in some microdosing can allow you to more clearly experience the moment. And without as many judgments and perceptions layered on, it's just, you're able to more clearly see right now and experience that fully with a little bit more clarity. And with that comes more appreciation for the moment, because 
it is pretty cool living on earth, like being a human, like it's pretty trippy experience just to begin with. Um, so being able to see that a little bit more clearly, um, mushrooms is something that can help a lot with that. And I've had some, I've taken some higher, a decent amount of higher dose trips and, and had some drastic realizations with that, that have sort of accelerated my experience and understandings of, of, I don't know, just like reality. Um, but it, it's still something that's done within you. Mushrooms just allow you to see things more clearly without all of those layers. Have you ever had a, like a bad trip where it, it felt like, you know, the world's ending. <laughs> so yeah, I I've had one trip where, <laughs> where again, like no good or bad, but there is comfortable and uncomfortable. And there was one, and yes, yeah, so there was one that it wasn't a bad trip, definitely not anything drastic, but it was more like, I think it was the second time I tripped. And the first time I took three grams, second time I took four. And so I sort of had this expectation going into it that like three was a, was a great time. I, I was a really cool experience. So I was like, Oh, I'll try four. That's just going to be the same thing. Just like go a little bit deeper. So I had a lot of expectations going into it of how I thought it was going to be. And that is one word of advice is like, don't go into these with any expectations whatsoever. Just be ready to surrender and accept whatever happens, but you layering on some expectation, if it doesn't meet those expectations or isn't exactly how you think it's going to be a little bit more jarring and maybe not, you won't be able to see things as clearly if you go in with certain expectations. So, so that experience, I, I basically saw that everything just was, and like nothing really matters. Like none of this really matters at all. But usually I take that in the optimistic nihilism sort of perspective that nothing matters. So why not do anything? And it more went down the road of like nothing matters. So why do anything? Like why even, you know, do anything whatsoever? And so I, I was sort of feeling that for like two hours. Then I went out, I was in New York at the time. This was, I don't know, October maybe. And just like walked around and I came across this new part of New York that I hadn't seen before. And I've been in New York for a while. So I've seen most of the parts and, and saw it or saw it from like a different perspective, like a different street. I was able to see everything and it just hit me like, Oh, this is, this is why. Cause despite maybe nothing objectively mattering in the eyes of, of the universe, this, this little experience that I'm having, it's still, a cool experience. And there's still so many things for me to do and experience. And so that sort of brought me out of that kind of lower energy, sobering state well, in that way. But that, that was kind of my only down experience that I've had. On that new street that you discovered, did you, when you came through, did you just have like your draws on and are you lost? Somebody take your shoes or. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, it was it was just like this part, uh, kind of where was it? Lower East Side, uh, south of Chinatown, or yeah, uh, kind of near Financial District, a little bit uh, in between wow. there, and <laughs> and I just like saw this area, and I was like, wow, this area is really cool. It was it was by uh, City Hall, kind of south of City Hall, and yeah, it was just like oh. And it just kind of hit me. That's that's what happens. Is like you have a certain experience, then it hits you in like a different way, or you're able to apply it to something you're going through in a different way because you're a little bit more peeled back. You're just able to see things for how they are a little bit more clearly. Cool. You said microdose, so like like 
have you done it? And then I, I, I don't know. Can you do it? So you have the clarity without like the, the, like feeling high. Yeah. Yeah. So microdosing is, it can be anything from like 0.1 to 0.3 or four grams. And it's totally going to depend on the person and, you know, the amount of layers that they live with, but anything within that range, uh, microdose is technically subperceptual. So you're not really going to feel anything. So that would probably be closer to like 0.1 or 0.2 grams for most people. If they don't want to feel anything, they just notice their mind being maybe a little bit quieter because something that mushrooms do is downregulate your default mode network. And that is basically the idea of self that I was talking about before, or, or the ego, that sort of identification. So without as much of that, there isn't as much to worry about. There isn't as much self-consciousness to experience. So microdosing can help downregulate that. And the more you take, the more, the less of that there's going to be. So I took five grams once and I basically forgot I was a person for like two hours and was just kind of experiencing what was without any identity whatsoever. So that's, there's going to be tons of levels in between that. But usually when people start like tripping or hallucinating or stuff starts to get a little bit wobbly is it depends again, how many layers you live with, but it's usually between two and three grams is when that sort of starts. I mean, that point one sounds magical, you know, kind of, you know, remove that, 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 that inner talk and that, that default, that, 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 that that's, that's where the magic is right there, man. You know, and yeah. does it like, like, I know mushrooms can like jack you up for like 12 hours and stuff. Is that, is that kind of the same when you do point one or, or, or is the halftime a lot quicker? Um, just because it's not as jarring, I think it, because it is much less noticeable, you take something like a macro dose or mid dose, probably starting at like 0.4 grams. You're going to, you're going to feel it, but it's still not going to be anything that crazy for most people. Um, so I think, Typically with a high dose, mushrooms is only like a six hour thing. I think acid is closer to eight to 12 usually. Um, but yeah, so it's six hours. And even for a high dose, it's going to be like the come up is you start feeling it after 15, 20 minutes, the come up lasts another 40. And then you kind of peak at an hour, stay around there for like another two hours and then slowly kind of peters off into just back into a sober state. But the interesting thing is, all the things you experience and realizations you have on a trip, they sort of stay with you afterwards. It's not something where it's just like you're on and then you're off. It kind of subtly kind of transitions into your sober state, but it can have a, such a lasting impact on people. And people have had life-changing just single trips that have changed their perspective on everything because they were able to see things more clearly without all of their preconditioned judgments and perceptions and all their sort of default programming that they've developed throughout their, mostly their childhood, but throughout their entire life. Without that, there, there's just so much more of an appreciation. So something like microdosing, it's going to be a lot more subtle. So it's not going to be like this crazy thing for the first three hours, like a higher dose trip is. Um, it's going to be a little bit sub perceptual. If you get up to closer to half a gram, you're going to feel something still not going to be anything crazy. And then it just kind of like after, I don't know, three hours just kind of like slowly drops down back into just classic sober experience. That's amazing. Are there, is there, is there like a book list or anything that you recommend? 
I, I don't have one. Uh, I mentioned earlier two, two of my favorites that I first got into were uh, The Power of Now and The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, uh, Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle and Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. Um, yeah, since since then, I haven't read them. I read those a couple, both a couple times. Um, since then, I haven't as much, but I don't have a formal recommendation. Some I'm reading now. Uh, I just have a few that I kind of rotate through on my walks. Um, one is Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. Uh, that's that's pretty dense, uh, but it's it's interesting the things he was able to conclude with that. Just like a real quick summary was he has this uh, scale of enlightenment, which is basically like all of the emotions that we experience on a scale of like what's closest, like what's a lower energy versus higher energy. And he was able to use the body over the course of like 10 years, you would uh, basically interviewed and tested out a ton of different people and would ask them questions about something like, is this higher energy or, or whatever terms he used is this versus this. And then people would like, from my understanding, they would hold out their arms. And if he would say like, this is higher energy than this. And if it wasn't true, like the arm, the muscle would give. And then if it was true, it would stay strong. And he did this for like tens of thousands of people. And it, he was able to develop this scale of consciousness. And it was like very consistent, like for certain things he would test, it would be like, almost everyone would have the same reaction. So it's super fascinating just how much within ourselves, that sort of like intel, that natural intelligence that we all sort of are and, and came from as the awareness of the universe itself uh, without that sort of superficial intelligence and then wisdom and, and cleverness that we've developed. That's more like on the ego side of things. Without that, there's like this deeper universal intelligence. And I think that's what he was sort of able to tap into. That was kind of fascinating. Um, I'm also reading The Meaning of Happiness by Alan Watts. Uh, I love Alan Watts. He's probably my favorite philosopher. Um, so I've listened to a lot of his speeches, but this is the first time I've ever read one of his books. Um, so I'm, I'm going through that uh that as well yeah he's got some good uh some good uh like uh youtube videos and stuff alan watts does yeah i've listened to probably a hundred of his speeches and, and talks and yeah he was someone i got into and i didn't even fully understand what he was talking about until i had that realization back in july um i was able to understand him a lot more clearly uh but yeah he's he's one of my favorites for sure that's awesome. And if people want to find you or follow you, how do they, how do they get in touch with you? Yeah. Um, Instagram is a dot Murnane. Um, TikTok is not Andrew Murnane. Uh, and then my podcast is Dualist Unity. This is all linked in my social media bios, but that's pretty much my main project right now. We film that uh, once a week. We also have a discord for that and a Patreon uh, that we've been working on. So th those are all linked in my TikTok and Instagram bios if you're interested um but yeah that, that's pretty much what i'm those those three are my focuses for the most part i love not andrew Murnane. Right? <laughs> yeah. I, I changed that recently just like a month ago i was like i want to mix this up a little bit we'll test that out um but yeah so <laughs> dude that's dope i like that andrew dude i'm again i mean i'm i'm 
fascinating. I'm, I'm more fascinated now after kind of getting to know you as opposed to just, you know, watching what you're up to um, on, 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 on your uh, social media, dude, I'd love to bring you back in like six months or something. Cause I didn't even ask you about tripping balls with your family and we'll leave that as the teaser, man. Cause the, that seemed crazy to me, <laughs> you know, sounds good. Yeah. I'll let you know if I have any uh, new experiences uh, <laughs> yeah, before then we'll see. maybe, maybe I'll have to mix one in or I've been working on them. Um, yeah. Have yet to get them, get anyone to try them with me, but uh, oh. the more, the more I talk about it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I want to talk about DMT and, and, and those psychedelics as well, because uh, they, they all kind of scare me, but I'm also intrigued by all of them, you know. Um, it's, it's fascinating stuff. Yeah, it totally is. Andrew Murnane, or not Andrew Murnane, thank you very, very much for hanging out with us and joining us on you. Appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Brian Tony. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the podcast, share it with friends. Give us a rating and drop a review. To listen to all the latest podcasts, please subscribe from your favorite podcast outlet. And to stay connected on and off the show, you can follow us at Hairdistry on Instagram and all other social media platforms. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time. Peace and love.